All right, good evening, everyone. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, coming out this, this evening and uh, delaying your uh, trip to the beer garden or whatever your evening plans are. Uh, oh, let's get our slides going here. So I'm Nick Benson. Uh, I'm a software development manager for uh, Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I'm here with uh, Chaitanya Salapakar and Harrison Clement, two of my colleagues. Uh, we're going to speak to you this evening about uh, the partnership between Amazon Prime Video and Amazon CloudFront. Uh, it's been working the two teams have been working closely together for uh, several years. Uh, and we want to share with you basically uh, some of our learnings uh, and hopefully some stories that uh, will be helpful for you guys uh, as you go off and build uh, your own applications. Uh, so to give you just kind of an overview of what we're going to cover tonight, uh, first off, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail about Prime Video, the Prime Video business case, uh, how we use CloudFront, um, what our key objectives are in partnering with, AWS, uh, with Amazon CloudFront. Uh, and then we have actually uh, five examples or five sort of case studies that we'll go into a little bit more detail uh, where we talk about various uh, AWS tools and strategies that we have made use of in different situations. Uh, over the, I think most examples are over the past year, but uh, got some, some interesting things to chat about there. Uh, and then last but not least, I will just uh, wrap it up. Uh, before we get going, I do want to mention to you all that uh, the slides from this deck will be available on the SlideShare uh, after the talk. And within the next couple of days, the talk will also be on YouTube. So if you see any designs uh, or you know, interesting callouts that you want to make note of for later, uh, it will be available. So Amazon Prime Video. Uh, we are a key part of the Prime experience uh, with well over 100 million Prime customers globally these days. Uh, at Prime Video, we're all about uh, premium video. So we, uh, you know, we take it really seriously uh, that folks are, uh, folks are kind enough to invite us into their living rooms. Uh, and what we're all about is delivering the best possible uh, video streaming experience that we can uh, for our customers. Uh, we're available globally, uh, which presents uh, you know, its unique challenges as we uh, deal with uh, everything from the ultra-speedy networks uh, you know, in the big cities in the US and in Asia to uh, emerging internet infrastructure in places like India, Africa, uh, and uh, Latin America. Uh, and then uh, also, we, we deal with quite a large number of devices. Uh, by last count, uh, several thousand different device types, everything from you know, your mobile phones to embedded TVs to video gaming consoles. Uh, so really what we're all about is uh, maximizing content, um, being on you know, your devices wherever you are and whenever you want to watch. Uh, and as I mentioned before, you know, uh, being present and being available for customers also means uh, you know, dealing with a lot of different, uh, different networks and different uh, streaming conditions. So as we, you know, as we uh, basically confront uh, this diversity of devices, of networks, and even really of uh, customer preferences, uh, it, be it becomes really important for us to uh, anticipate uh, what customers uh, are going to want or what's going to make a great experience for customers, uh, and then basically make the right trade-offs to uh, produce the optimal experience for those customers. So when we think about trade-offs, uh, we like to uh, sort of map it out across four dimensions. Uh, the first of those is what we call reliability. Uh, so this is going to be propensity of a session to rebuffer, so the dreaded uh, you know, red spinner that folks see from time to time. Uh, 
and uh, the, in the same category would be uh, premature termination of session playback. You know, if, you, if your app were to crash, or you'd be kicked back to the, uh, to the main uh, streaming screen of your video app. We call that a fatal error. Um, that's actually, uh, you know, in our taxonomy, the worst thing that can happen in a streaming session. Secondly, uh, we're concerned about video quality. Uh, and this is gonna be, you know, are you receiving ultra high definition HDR, uh, or are you getting dancing pixels on your big screen TV? Uh, obviously, the latter is not a good thing and something that we uh, need to be sure that we're avoiding. Uh, playback start time is something that we consider. Uh, so uh, when folks click play, we want them to instantly be immersed uh, in the streaming experience. Um, there's a trade-off there as uh, we need to download the video and have it ready on the device uh, before we can actually start playback. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, this is a new trade-off that we're dealing with right now, which is uh, time behind live. Uh, as we take on projects like Thursday Night Football, uh, we did US Open in the UK recently, um, we're doing Ultimate Fighting uh, every month. Uh, what we wanna be really cognizant of is the fact that you know, we want uh, our customers to learn about you know, the knockout punch or the winning touchdown from our service and not from Twitter uh, and not from the voices of their neighbor, neighbors uh, echoing down the street. And again, this, this uh, factors into this uh, trade-off calculus as uh, you know, uh, the further we are, or the closer we are behind live, uh, the less video we have buffering. Excuse me, the less video we have buffered, uh, meaning we have the less less tolerance uh, to any sort of streaming or network disruptions. So as we rationalize these trade-offs and as we work to uh, optimize and customize the streaming experience for customers, uh, we use what we call at Amazon a virtuous cycle or a flywheel. Uh, so the idea here is we basically have a closed loop system where first we deliver video to customers. Uh, we collect all sorts of interesting inform information and telemetry about uh, how the customer is engaging with the service, uh, what network streaming conditions are like, what the performance of playback is like for that customer, uh, and then you know, how that customer reacts to the streaming experience. Uh, we feed that into a system where we uh, perform analytics uh, in the case of CDNs, we will actually uh, use this information to determine uh, what the best uh, CDN is for any given customer. So um, while we partner very closely with AWS CloudFront, uh, we actually work with a variety of different CDNs, uh, and we have set up basically what we like to call a free market economy of uh, CDN competition, where uh, CDNs compete with each other exclusively on performance, so no advantage to CloudFront. Uh, they basically, they, uh, we obviously partner very closely with them, uh, but they're working to, just, uh, just like all of our other CDNs, to maximize performance. And this data we use to figure out, you know, uh, by location and device, uh, how we're gonna divvy that traffic up. Uh, similarly, we will use this data to uh, inform the, the balance of trade-offs in the slide I showed you before, whereas, you know, do we, if we have a really fast internet connection, we want to lean in and show lots of HD. Uh, if we have a uh, spotty internet connection, we want to quickly downshift quality or we want to buffer more upfront uh, so that we can reduce the chances of a buffer for customers. And that's where the optimized step comes in. Uh, and then uh, basically we just complete that cycle uh, indefinitely. So that's uh, sort of the high level of what we're about, uh, what, our, uh, you know, what our objectives are in uh, delivering video to customers. Uh, and to go into some more details uh, and to, of some of the uh, technical challenges we're facing, I'm gonna hand the mic off to my colleague Harrison here. Thanks, Nick. <clears throat> it seems like we could uh, all come in, sit crisscross applesauce in the front here, but um, thanks for coming out. 
So as Nick was saying, we have a lot of uh, traffic that we, we have to manage. Um, just to kind of give you a picture, picture of uh, what that looks like, you know, because we have a large and growing customer base, um, Sandvine actually measured us at almost 8% of downstream traffic, traffic in the Americas. Uh, that is a lot of traffic. Um, in the EU, it's about 6%. And um, one of our key challenges, you can see by this graph, which is basically a, a single day of traffic in the US. Um, we don't get all this traffic at the same time. Um, uh, unfortunately, I can't show you real numbers on what the peak is, uh, but you're welcome to look at the Sandvine report. It's uh, you know this percentage of all, all traffic and, and they might have like a total <laughs> in there, so you might be able to figure it out. So we have to deal with this peak, everything uh, that we talk about in terms of capacity with our uh, uh, CDN uh, partners and uh, as well as our services um, really is focused on meeting uh, or being provisioned to handle that, that peak, peak load. <clears throat> so to give you an example of um, what that might look like over day over day, uh, We've got the graph on the left showing uh, our, our, our daily peaks. Um, but what's interesting here is uh, I've also added our Thursday night football traffic uh, to these graphs. Um, as you can see, it's a significant add. Uh, and so we have to partner knowing you know, what, what our business is putting out there. We have to partner with our CDNs to uh, help give them a heads up and uh, maybe reserve capacity for special instances like Thursday night football. Um, on the right, we see uh, each dot representing a day of traffic. We have weekly peaks too. Um, the 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 middle week is uh, at times with our Jack Ryan release, which is a video on demand release uh, for a popular series of ours. So, uh, what's important though is that we keep in contact with our CDM partners so they don't throttle our traffic, and Chaitanya will talk a little bit more about uh, how CloudFront manages that traffic, but um, we don't want to get our load shed by any of our CDN partners. Um, and uh, so ensuring that they have a heads up. Like I said, you know, we're generating so much traffic that uh, you know, a, a significant ad like what you see with Thursday Night Football, um, that's even more traffic than would typically be uh, uh, experienced by by our CDN. So we work with them very tightly on this, and, uh, and luckily they don't throttle us. Um, so you know, why, why do we work with so many CDNs? Um, like Nick said, they sort of compete in a, in a free market economy for performance. Uh, but we also consider a single CDN to be a form of a single point of failure. So we don't, we don't want to uh, put that out on our customers. So we, um, uh, we, we work with CloudFront to be the best, um, but uh, we also have uh, other CDN partners that are extremely valuable. Um, so one of the things that they do is not only uh, do they cache our assets, our video assets, very large files, they're close to our customers. Um, that way, you know, latency isn't as big of a factor when they pull it down to their device and they can actually use their effective uh, bandwidth throughput um, to their device. So that's good. Uh, we also want to protect the AWS border by uh, not having all of this content coming out of there and stacked unicast streams. 
so caching is super important. Um, we consider it a, a, a performance thing, but also a protection thing for our services. Um, some of the ways that we leverage caching uh, at CloudFront and other CDNs is uh, we've developed a mid-tier for our, uh, our live traffic. Uh, and with CloudFront, Chitani will get in a little bit about their uh, regional edge cache that, that uh, they, they, they build into every distribution. Um, but the mid-tier will do things like collapsing requests. Um, it will aggregate cache uh, across you know, different, different requesters. Um, it could be they pops or different CDNs. Uh, we try to minimize the cache key inputs uh, so that you know, those requests coming in all hit the same cached object. Um, that's really important. Uh, this helps us reduce our, our cache space. Uh, and then with CloudFront, we're able to uh, use a special set of distributions to cache our long tail content. This is our content that's not quite as popular, uh, but it still needs to be cached so that not all of that content is pulled from origin. Um, so we, on top of that, we also have services that are really important for protection. Um, one of our key services is a service that dynamically uh, customizes manifests, which are um, like the table of contents or index for any streaming video. Uh, we will we'll thin out bit rates. We will uh, uh, sometimes add in pre-rolls um, into the content, or uh, we might have certain optimizations to uh, to, to get the best performance out of different CDNs. Uh, but we want to make these cacheable. Um, so the, these, are, these are sitting at the edge, and that's reduced our scale uh, that we need to provision for uh, at our service layer, which really helps. We're also looking at um, experimenting with, or we've been experimenting with uh, using Lambda and uh, other, other compute to um, ensure that you know, we, we can handle more, more and more requests at the edge and, and reduce our, uh, um, our load into our, our core services even more. Um, so we're looking at doing that with uh, our, our manifest service, um, as well as stitching in some ads or pre-rolls in the content at the edge as well. So um, Chaitanya, how, how do you guys actually manage all this? Sure. Thanks, Harrison. So, um, to handle Prime Video's scale of traffic, CloudFront has a global presence of uh, POPs, or you know, point of presence for short. So uh, this basically consists of two types of locations. One is the actual edge locations, which are close to the viewer and have a cache. These are used to uh, you know, have a low latency connection to the viewer and uh, do the connection termination right there, so that like TCP handshake or uh, TLS handshake time is minimized. Now, uh, we have numerous locations uh, of this type all over the world. Uh, however, when uh, you know, the content is not present at an edge location's cache, you know, it's a cache miss, uh, that ha then has to go back to the origin. But given that you know, CloudFront has a growing footprint, uh, you know, just in the past year, like at reInvent 2017, um, the, on the same slide, I had 100 pops, so to, and today we've grown to 150. So with that increase, you know, we, we don't want an increased load on your origins. So that's the reason that we have a mid-tier cache layer called Regional Edge Cache, which helps uh, by basically funneling the request to these nearby regional edge caches and then going on to your locations, uh, sorry, going on to your origins. 
So these region edge caches have a much larger cache width than any single uh, edge location, and that helps protect uh, your origins, plus as well as cache more and more of your content. So uh, there are, you know, uh, there's all of this infrastructure in place, but what happens with the actual requests that clients send? So there are two, uh, you know, stages of this. So first is the DNS resolution, which determines which edge location uh, you reach out to, or rather a viewer or a client device reaches out to. So when a DNS resolution happens for either a CloudFront distribution uh, name or a C name that you've associated with the distribution, so CloudFront performs uh, in, in you know, the vast majority of cases latency-based routing. Uh, what does this mean? Well, uh, so CloudFront collects latency measurements from thousands of viewer networks, and this helps us determine uh, you know, what is the best uh, pop in terms of latency for that viewer, and also uh, you know, how much load that, that's being brought on by, like, uh, by viewers behind that network. So these factors, along with the capacity uh, of the pop itself, uh, tells us, hey, you know, which is the best possible location to route the traffic. And you know, once these calculations are done, we are able to uh, you know, predict what is the load on these edge locations and then direct the request there. So all of this uh, helps us give a you know, really good understanding of what is the steady state load. And you know, this even accounts for variances uh, you know, during the week where evening times you know, are more popular, like in the case of Prime Video, uh, or for other download traffic, it, it might be overnight. Now, for a lot of events, the exact uh, nature of the traffic uh, can be unpredictable. And even when we know that there are big events coming, we see uh, you know, large increases in traffic which need to be handled. And this is a very fast increase, like, uh, like in the case of Thursday Night Football or even in the case of uh, prime original uh, releases. So to handle this type of traffic, CloudFront has uh, you know, a fast reacting flash crowd detector. And flash crowd is really this uh, fast growing surge of traffic. So you can see an example there, which is basically you know, a Thursday night football game uh, where the traffic increased about 8x in a really short uh, span of time. And you can also see the, a nice little dip when you know, folks have taken a break uh, for halftime. Uh, but that picks back up, and then we see the traffic going down. So balancing this traffic out on edge locations is really important uh, to ensure a good level of performance for the clients. Uh, even uh, you know, with, with balancing uh, the traffic across various pops, there might be specific networks or links which might be overloaded, so CloudFront even detects this congestion and routes around it. Lastly, uh, you know, in addition to surges in uh, you know, legitimate traffic, we, we may also see surges in malicious traffic, which is uh, DDoSs. So CloudFront has various uh, mechanisms that automatically uh, deals, uh, like detects and uh, mitigates uh, these as well. You know, plus, there are uh, additional AWS products and so on. Um, 
like shield, which which can, you know, which you can use to enhance this uh, protection further. Now, with this in place, once an IP has been handed out to an edge location, the you know client device uses that uh, and reaches uh, that edge location. So these edge location also have you know they have TLS termination and they have support for things like HTTP2 uh, to service the viewer request. Now to ensure that uh, there's a consistent level of performance for you know different viewers requesting different types of content, we have load balancing uh, for the various servers that are present, and th so this helps us. Uh, avoid any hotspots, you know, with regard to popular objects or just right around any um, bad hosts uh, due to bad hardware or any, any other reasons. Now, to uh, ensure that, that there's not a lot of time taken up uh, each time to set up connections, CloudFront also supports uh, persistent connections. And this is really useful, like, even in the video streaming case where you, you don't want the connection to be set up for every single chunk that's requested. Uh, so CloudFront supports persistent connections on the viewer side as well as on the origin side. Uh, and for the objects themselves, you know, you can have the full or the partial object request where there's a certain optimization for partial object requests so that we reduce the origin load. Now one interesting case here is the collapse forwarding, which means when there are uh, you know, lots of concurrent requests for the same object, uh, you don't want all that load to be seen on the origin server. So CloudFront uh, basically collapses those requests and sends a single upstream request from a cache server. So what, what you see here is that collapsing is happening both at the edge location and the regional edge cache. So it's a sort of funneling effect where the edge location will send one or few requests to the regional edge cache, and with multiple edge locations contacting the regional edge cache, even the requests are even collapsed there. So you see fewer requests on the origin side. Uh, lastly, with throttling, uh, again, to ensure that there's fair use of resources, CloudFront uh, also uh, implements throttling so that, uh, you know, our customers uh, are using their fair share of resources and are able to get a good level of performance. Now, what's the result of all this mechanisms? Well, we've been able to grow hand-in-hand uh, -hand with Prime Video's traffic. So you can see over the past uh, couple of years, we've grown significantly, uh, you know, over 6x the growth. And interestingly, that peak that you see uh, is the uh, Jack Ryan release that Harrison mentioned earlier. So you can see there's uh, you know, spikiness in traffic week over week. And for instance, this was one release that we spoke about. But there's a lot more that uh, Prime Video actually delivers. So what does Prime Video actually ha you know, have in all this traffic, Harrison? Uh, that's a good question. You still hear me okay? Yeah. So why all this traffic? Um, besides the number of customers, we, we also have the largest catalog uh, available. Um, that's not a boastful, boastful statement, it's just a fact. Uh, and 
um, we want to make sure that all of this content is uh, available to whomever wants to watch it. Um, so uh, what, what does that look like from uh, our catalog versus what people want to watch? Um, here is the curve that shows our, our, our popularity um, over our percent catalog viewed uh, in a three-day window. Um, so this is pretty interesting. So this is just three days, but 90% uh, of uh, the streams in that three-day uh, period um, really only hit 12% of, of, our, of our viewed catalog. So you can see that's kind of, you know, I, I could make this go even further, but you know, that, that's a very, uh, that, that, that slope is forever decreasing. Um, at 60% of streams, uh, that's less than 2% of our catalog. So we have some really popular content. Uh, the rest is long tail. Uh, but it's still, that 2% is a, is a significant chunk. So um, we can't have that long tail uh, be just origin traffic. We, we have to cache that as well. Um, <clears throat> so how do we do, do this? Uh, well, like I mentioned, our, our catalog is huge. You can, you can get many offerings um, through subscriptions. Uh, that would be you know, different channels. You can watch you know, HBO through uh, Prime Video, for example. Um, and we offer many channels. Uh, you can, um, there's TVOD, which is, I'm sure everyone's kind of done this. They uh, you know, look, see if something is free in one of their streaming services. Uh, if it's not, you know, it might be available uh, for rent or purchase uh, through, through Prime. Um, we also have a self-published platform uh, where people can, can make content and submit it. So it creates a very, very large catalog. And for each of those titles, we have to, uh, we have to encode that, right? Um, so in coding, uh, we need to optimize for every device that's out there, and you know we we support a large range. Uh, some of the devices are really old, uh, some are brand new. Um, they have different capabilities, so we have to make sure our encodes uh, can handle all of those cases. Um, so we have <clears throat> we we support three package package types. So if you're familiar with uh, uh, video streaming. All video streaming uh, today is done through um, different package types. We use uh, Microsoft Smooth Streaming, uh, Apple HLS, and uh, MPEG Dash. Um, we also have uh, progressive download through MP4. Um, so with, with those package formats, um, defining the protocols that we use, uh, and then we also support up to 22 languages uh, for global content. Uh, so for one video, that can be about 300 files. Um, that's that's a, a lot a lot of data uh, just for one single title, and through, you know you have a lot of options to get different titles. So, problem here: uh, CDNs can't cache all that content at the edge, um, just due to the the realities of disk space. Uh, you know they they can only provision so much. Um, you know they can't have exabyte storage. Uh, you know embedded in every exchange and, and ISP out there. So. Um, we, 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 have to, we have to come up with creative solutions to deal with this problem. Um, so one of our main strategies here, uh, we like to split our catalog into what we call shards. Um, if you're familiar with, with databases, you know, similar concept. Uh, you know, it's a horizontal slice of uh, our catalog, each shard. So how, how do we actually split this? We have a couple, couple main uh, strategies here. Um, 
we can do it by popularity, which we, which we uh, use with CloudFront. Um, that way we can ensure that our popular content is vended on very highly distributed edges that are close to customers. Um, not as much space on those guys. So uh, um, we like to put our long tail on a separate set of distributions that are uh, maybe a little bit less distributed, but uh, still pretty close to customers and, and they can store a whole lot of data. So that, that really helps. Um, other strategies you can, uh, we also employ strategies of uh, sharding consistent hashing um, based on the manifest URL. Like I was saying, you know, when you go to play a title, you get a manifest, here's how you get every single fragment in the title. Um, and, uh, and, and so like the URL for that manifest uh, is really huge and we can actually hash that and say, you know, this key space goes to uh, this shard, et cetera, and split that up. Uh, so we, we, the, the, the benefit of using this sharding strategy is, Chitani was talking about how the request actually gets to the pop. When your device actually wants to pull data from any of those CDN edges, um, you know, it doesn't know how, uh, how to connect to those edges. You, you have to resolve the host name. Um, you know, we usually think of DNS as this really basic thing, but uh, in the CDN's case, it's really amazing what they do. Um, but the beauty here is that if we are able to split the catalog into different shards and reference each shard by their own host name, then on CDN side, they can actually control the resolution so that it only resolves to the IPs for the edges that actually have that content. So that, that's an easy way to um, leverage their DNS capabilities to empower uh, them to uh, cache a, a larger percentage of, of, a, of a very wide catalog. So what does that look like at the edge? So at the edge, um, what we actually see is the fraction of content that is being requested by all of those devices. Now, when those devices make requests with uh, you know, the different uh, HTTP adaptive streaming uh, formats that Harrison mentioned, so we see each media chunk being requested as an individual HTTP request. Now, during the course of playback, a video player can also switch representations, and that could you know, depend on user choices, uh, you know, maybe in terms of languages uh, that they uh, want to listen to differently, or uh, the video player is taking into consideration network conditions uh, to determine what bitrate you know, needs to be uh, displayed at the current time. So this means that the uh, different HTTP requests that actually uh, come to CloudFront can vary in size as well as uh, popularity. So when, uh, what this graph is actually showing is uh, the actual demand profile of, for Prime Video seen over a day and kind of gives uh, the shape of you know, how much disk space is required to, give, to serve a given uh, amount of uh, request bytes or network bytes, as we say. And uh, so this demand curve you know, is affected by how many variants are there of, uh, of, of the different titles that are present, as well as what is actually requested by the different players in, in terms of the manifest that is handed out to them. So 
you know, beyond the request themselves, there are also some uh, configurations that can be set on distributions to improve the performance. So to start with, different types of objects uh, are valid for different periods of time. So like a you know, recorded video is valid you know, pretty much for a really long time, so you can set it to the maximum TTL. Uh, for CloudFront, that's a year. On the other hand, you can have short-lived manifest. Uh, for example, you know, that is live streaming manifest, which need to be refreshed every few seconds. So you set the short TTL on the order of a few seconds for such objects. And lastly, you might have dynamic objects, which uh, you know, even for zero TTL object, which you don't want uh, to be cacheable, it is uh, useful to set a zero TTL uh, so that it can take advantage of features like uh, request collapsing to reduce the origin load. Now, uh, for each of these different types of objects, there can be variants in which, which take into consideration some of the request characteristics like headers or cookies or query strings. And you can either use all of it or a subset of it or none of it. So, and, and you know, depending on the use case, there is, that can affect the cache it uh, rate of, uh, of your distributions. So it's important to eliminate the ones that uh, don't need to be a part of the cache key. And in addition to you know, just caching the objects themselves, CloudFront also allows caching of errors. And this is really uh, comes back to the point of protecting origin resources. So you can customize the TTL for this uh, errors as well. And CloudFront can serve stale content in case uh, the origin is unreachable. Uh, on the origin side, you know, uh, there are also a couple of other settings in terms of timeouts. And something we uh, just announced uh, last week was origin failover. So you can set up uh, two origins for a cache behavior. And so in case one of them uh, returns an error or fails, Cloud can, CloudFront can reach out to the uh, other origin that's configured. Now, so this is a bunch of configurations which can vary uh, depending on the exact nature of traffic that's being served. So uh, Prime Video uses a number of these features. To start with, this configuration you know, can be set at uh, you know, starting at different levels of uh, complexity. So uh, many customers start at the AWS console where you can set, you know, create distributions, uh, you know, cre create invalidations, cre you know, set error caching TTLs and so on, and also view some uh, data about your distributions in terms of metrics or reports. Uh, to, to make the task of this uh, you know, repeatedly either changing configuration or updating it in a programma programmatic manner, so AWS also has tools like the AWS CLI, and then you can also utilize CloudFormation templates to you know, bring up AWS resources. And then taking it to the next level, the whole uh, you know, pipeline can be automated where you take a bunch of template configurations and are able to bring up the required resources using the SDK or you know, code build or code deploy tools. So, you know, given this uh, outline, 
how does Prime Video really utilize this to serve the various configurations? Yeah, so um, yeah, obviously we try to automate as much as we can. Uh, we're not too proud to use the console you know, if we have to. <laughs> um, but I will show you kind of what, what we've been up to lately and what's been keeping us busy. Uh, all of these touch delivery in some way, so we have to, like Chitani said, we're creating uh, hundreds, thousands of distri distributions. Uh, I'm gonna focus on a particular, um, uh, a particular example, um, and this is our live delivery at scale. Um, we've created a, a platform for uh, publishing live events and, and then connecting the customer to deliver the stream. Um, this, this required, you know, and then automation all the way through, uh, and um, CloudFront's capabilities that uh, Chitanya mentioned really came in handy for this one, and I'll explain. Um, <clears throat> and I should also add that, you know, we this is just one example, um, but we, we use everything that uh, that Chitanya uh, mentioned. You know, Amazon CloudFront enables. Um, a lot of uh, services to stand up and modify um, distributions. Um, we use CloudFormation as well. Uh, we'll use the CLI sometimes. We also uh, um, we also use Terraform. So, uh, um, but in this example, um, we we had a kind of a special case where we sort of had um, variable variability in the configurations that um, we didn't want to have to deal with in a manual way at all. Um, so we have this publishing system that um, uh, we're able to get a notification from uh, with the specific parameters of the publishing outputs. Um, we, we were able to get that notification through uh, Amazon SNS. Um, that goes right into an SQS queue. If any of you have uh, worked on uh, uh, with these tools, uh, it's a very standard workflow, super helpful, uh, especially in this case. Because from there, um, we could just simply uh, kick off a Lambda, because you can trigger a Lambda from SQS. Uh, super, super handy, that Lambda then just goes and pulls out a configuration template uh, that, that we're storing in, in S3, uh, gets certificate information, uh, certificate info from certificate manager, uh, and keeps track of all, all this build state in DynamoDB, uh, which is really handy and actually uh, saved us when uh, there, was a, there was an issue we had to deal with. So uh, that, that's super straightforward and anybody can build this with, with the tools that are available. Uh, and in this case, we're able to build the distribution and the Route 53 uh, record that, that points to it. And that way, uh, clients could, could talk to um, Media Tailor, Elemental Media Tailor. Uh, and you know, this, it, it came in handy and we've built many distributions. Um, the important thing here is that we're uh, also monitoring failure cases. So in case we don't build it correctly or something, something goes wrong, uh, we're able to monitor that with CloudWatch and get nice alarms. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, what we're after is um, to deliver a quality streaming experience to our customers. Um, that's our, our main focus. And so the first part of that, uh, we, we, we have to protect you know, not just the services uh, at Amazon, uh, but we wanna protect 
um, our, our, uh, our customers from the internet and all the fun, interesting things that the internet provides. Uh, it being a shared finite resource um, with no central authority, uh, designed by humans, things break all the time. Um, so accepting that fact and dealing with it is hugely important to us. Um, so we've enabled client failover on all of our devices to uh, you know, fail to different delivery paths. Uh, that could mean different CDNs, it could mean uh, different origins uh, and other, uh, other components of delivery. Um, uh, we also have other intelligence built on our client. Um, Nick sort of alluded to some of it earlier, but part of our optimization is that we uh, are able to tune the um, adaptive bitrate heuristic on the device so that it has more intelligence uh, to uh, change bit rates when it, when it needs to. And, and get a really good experience for our customers, and that has huge, huge impact. Uh, but we'll, what we'll focus here is um, our, our CDN selection. Some CDNs uh, have more capacity at uh, certain ASNs and POPs than others. Um, some CDNs don't have peering with, uh, with a customer ISP, so you know, that traffic goes over transit. Is that, is that something we want? Um, maybe this other CDN has peering with that ISP, and, Maybe, maybe that deliver a, a, a better, better experience for a customer. So the point is that we don't want to go around and uh, you know, take manual measurements on uh, what the, that capacity is or, or any other um, uh, component that might affect a CDN's performance in uh, a given set of conditions. So we've built something to uh, do this automatically and what we're doing uh, we are measuring CDM performance, and I'll get into what constitutes CDM performance. And then we're uh, assigning weights to each CDN uh, in a given segment to um, make sure that that CDN is, is used the most in that segment. So this requires uh, the measurement part of the virtuous cycle that Nick mentioned. Um, we need to quantify user experience as best we can. Um, the way that we're doing this is we are gathering all this data from device, devices that tell us uh, raw data about what's going on. Um, you know, is there a spinner? Uh, did playback start? Did it stop? Um, did a user ask for it to stop when it stopped? You know, we, we're getting all of this um, data at, at DDoS scale, actually. It's, hu it's a huge amount of data. Um, so we have to take that raw data and convert it into meaningful metrics or KPIs that uh, help us uh, m quantify what the experience is. So you know, we have a fitness function um, defined and you know, we, we keep trying to make it better, but you know, it will calculate what the QoS score uh, is, and that's what we're calling a quality service score uh, for a segment at, with a given CDN. Um, what's a segment? A segment is uh, just a, a piece of our customer base um, defined by three main dimensions. Uh, what device type are they using? Um, you know, a, an old uh, smart TV might be a very different experience um, given the same everything else than, uh, than say like a, 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 the latest iPad or something. So we have to factor that in. Um, we also have to factor in the ASN um, and the customer location. So what network are they on and where are they? Um, 
so we have thousands of segments out there that we're constantly comparing CDNs. It's a fair comparison because we believe that we've isolated uh, all the variables or control for all the variables that might um, affect performance that are outside of the CDN. <clears throat> so to do this, we've built a, a, a pretty large pipeline. Uh, it starts with our stream processor. Um, this is a, 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 a service that our, our, plat our data platform teams built that basically is scooping up all that data or getting all that data from all the devices and parking it in S3 for us. Um, and this data is session segmented data. So every session that's out there, uh, you know, that session is, is uh, you know, has unique data in, um, in our stream processor output. Um, so then we have an EC2 fleet to take that data, uh, filter out the bad data, um, and then throw it to uh, Kinesis Analytics, um, which is really helpful because the session data, which is when a customer is watching a title, um, we're not as interested in that as we are in, uh, into segment data. Um, because the whole purpose here is comparing CDNs. Um, so we're able to aggregate this data into uh, segments <clears throat> using Kinesis Analytics. Um, from there, we've, we've, uh, we're using DynamoDB to have three main tables. Um, these are uh, different time window-based tables that ha uh, where we're looking at five-minute data, we're looking at 15-minute data, we're looking at hour data. Um, because things happen on different scale. Uh, you know, there might be an ephemeral issue that lasts five minutes. Um, the steady state, though, is better represented in an hour. Um, so how do you weight those? And that's part of our, our, our uh, fitness function for figuring out what, which CDNs are the best. So we take that data, we break it up into different segments. Um, from Kinesis Analytics, store in Dynamo, and uh, then we have a consumer that um, is pulling that data, uh, this is an EC2, and computing that into the metrics or KPIs that I mentioned earlier. Um, so we're getting things like, uh, you know, what's the latency, um, uh, what, what is the, the zero rebuffer rate, um, and we're, we're, we're putting that into another set of temporal tables that um, luckily, we're, we're using that same notification and SQS workflow again. Uh, once, once that metric data is actually computed and in these other tables, we're able to pull that from another EC2 fleet to actually make decisions. Um, the decisions are uh, really part of, uh, probably the core part of our algorithm. Um, you know, how do we shift traffic and when? Uh, you know, it, it has to do with you know, how, do we, how do we weight different metrics against each other? Um, and uh, uh, you know, what is the aggressiveness that will shift traffic? Um, all of that is uh, uh, really the, the, the biggest part of, of our pipeline here. Um, we're, we're triggering that on a regular cadence uh, using uh, a lambda, and um, you know, that lambda it can be triggered by a cloud watch. That's generally how you uh, trigger time-based lambda executions. Um, that lambda will then have the, uh, the data uh, pulled from this, uh, um, this fleet that's actually computing the decisions, uh, and then we, we, we throw the weights into another table. Uh, once those are in there, 
we, we generate a new policy, again, kicked off by Lambda, and write that in S3. Um, and why do we do that? Uh, it's there in S3 because um, we have another service that at URL vending time, so this, when I was talking about the manifest URL earlier, when a customer goes to play a title, you know, they need that manifest URL to, to kick things off. Um, there's a whole series of, of events that happen when, when, they, when they go to get that manifest URL, um, including uh, referencing this policy that's written into S3 and, and built from this whole pipeline uh, to say like, okay, you're in this segment. Um, we want to probabilistically send you to this CDN first, this CDN second, et cetera. So with, with, with that and the other strategies, um, you know, we're, we're working with CloudFront to, to make them better. And um, in fact, it's really useful when we see our balancer making decisions that are awarding CloudFront less traffic. Um, so just visually, uh, here's a case where we have our zero rebuffer rate um, actually looking real bad and CloudFront is losing traffic. The measure of traffic there is um, you know, those uh, pink steps. And so, you know, this is something that we wanted to, to make better. We knew that something was like legitimately wrong. So, you know, we told CloudFront and how did you guys actually fix this? Yeah, so um, I think based on what Harrison said that we look at different segments. So the first step was to look at the segment and look at what factors uh, play into this. So looking at uh, you know, ensuring that we have network capacity to be able to handle this traffic and uh, ensuring that there were no congestions and ruling out those factors. So in, in this instance, we were able to rule out that uh, it was not any provider-related or uh, any network layer-related issues. And that led us to looking further into uh, the server-side metrics and server performance. So what we found out behind the scenes was uh, in, in many cases, we were uh, being quite cautious about handling uh, you know, popular objects or dealing with uh, any hotspots in terms of server load. And over time, you know, we had increased uh, performance of the different uh, servers. So you know, using like, system tuning parameters or improving uh, our caching policies. So that means that we did not have to be as cautious for the load balancing factors. And once we were able to uh, tune that further, we could improve the experience for the devices and uh, you know, reduce the uh, rebuffer rate significantly. And that, in this case, allowed us to uh, win traffic. So you can see week four onwards, you know, we were able to uh, win traffic in the segment. Now, uh, to uh, you know, help us narrow down on this issue, you know, not only were the client-side metrics useful, but Prime Media also used a number of uh, server-side metrics that CloudFront provides. So what are, what are really these metrics? And these are available for every uh, CloudFront distribution. To start with, CloudFront publishes uh, metrics to CloudWatch, which includes, uh, you know, uh, metrics on requests or bytes or errors. Now, these are published uh, near real time, so uh, they can be used to understand the operational health of your uh, CloudFront distributions. Uh, for a slightly longer term view, CloudFront also uh, publishes reports, which give an 
idea of the usage of distributions in, again, you know, requests and bytes, which are like the basic parts of serving traffic, but also uh, some more higher cardinality data, like what are the popular objects or browsers that are accessing your distributions, as well as what is the exact uh, you know, HTTP status codes. So these are available in, in the console. And you know, some of the reports you can even export to CSV and uh, play around that in your own tools. So this gives a pretty good high-level perspective. Um, but you know, for the case that we covered, we had to go deeper into understanding uh, you know, what is the server performance uh, seen from the devices. So CloudFront also publishes request logs. And so these, uh, these logs are gathered from all the edge locations and then published to uh, your S3 bucket. So that's an example of a request, uh, a request log line. And that indicates you know, where the request was served, how long it took to serve, for which object it was. And you know, there's, a, there's a bunch of information there which is uh, described by the fields. Uh, one of the key ones highlighted there is the X edge request ID, which uniquely identifies a request. So you know, in case uh, you have to uh, reach out to CloudFront for a further uh, deep dive into this, you know, having those request IDs uh, definitely helps us pull up even more information on the server side. So you know, given the scale uh, of uh, lots of customers like Prime Video, there can be lots and lots of logs. So it's, it's probably tedious to go through all of them. And it helps to have a tool like uh, Amazon Athena. Uh, for instance, this is just one tool, but uh, many partners also have built tools to uh, take these logs and digest them and create uh, nice dashboards, whether that can be in Amazon QuickSight or in any other uh, partner tools. So this can help narrow down on hey, which requests were errors or which requests uh, you know, saw a higher amount of time taken and can allow you to slice and dice the data by which edge locations uh, served a specific type of clients as well. So with all of this, uh, the main focus is to improve customer experience. And you know, CloudFront is happy to provide as much data and uh, you know, take this to uh, improve customer experience and ensure the highest quality of video delivery that's possible. So with that, uh, I'll just hand it back to Nick to wrap it all up for us. Thanks, Chaitanya. So uh, just to kind of close things out here, um, sort of core takeaways from the talk here. Uh, number one is, you know, just want to re-emphasize the importance of taking the time to just understand your customers, understand your traffic base. I think that you know, uh, really digging in, understanding both traffic profile as well as you know, the nature of the content that you're serving, uh, at least in our case, that's really served us well. Uh, separately, I think you know, taking the time to understand the variety of different tools uh, and techniques uh, that are uh, available for you know, standing up distribution, standing up different AWS components, uh, and managing these different workflows. Uh, you'd be amazed with uh, you know, how uh, something seemingly as simple as uh, standing up a CDN configuration can become part of uh, you know, a very complicated 
uh, workflow depending on your use case. And uh, AWS, the different tools that we've been able to use has made this uh, very straightforward for us, uh, enable us to ship products uh, in timeframes we wouldn't otherwise have been able to meet. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, I think, you know, just the rich uh, metrics uh, that are available from CloudFront, especially the, uh, the logs, those have been uh, real lifesavers for us at Prime Video, just to understand, you know, how our service is performing, uh, how, you know, how customers uh, are interacting with our service. I think, you know, it's sort of an uh, overlooked uh, resource, I think, and, you know, we highly uh, encourage you guys uh, as you're building applications to, you know, take advantage of, uh, take advantage of these resources. So that concludes our talk for this evening. Uh, we've listed down a few talks uh, related to this session. I think a couple of these at least are over. Um, the third one here, uh, Workflows with Amazon CloudFront, that's tomorrow. Uh, these should, I believe, be available on video as well, and you can get the slides off the website. Uh, yeah, these, they're just relevant to uh, what we've been talking about today. Highly uh, encourage you to check those out. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, we will be hanging around for uh, the next few minutes. Uh, happy to answer any questions you guys have if you want to just kind of, you know, come up after we're done here. Uh, and then finally, um, please take your time to uh, fill out the survey. We uh, scrutinize these results really carefully and we use them to, uh, you know, figure out uh, what sorts of talks we're going to give next year. So thank you all for coming and uh, have a great night. <laughs>